0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 10, Issue 477. And today we're going to talk about Sega Rally Championship and the subsequent games, the few that came after it. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Carlman. Hey everyone. And Mikhail Croder. Let's give this a shot.
1: Easy left, maybe. Not
0: bad. Not and bad,
1: but probably room for improvement.
0: Yeah, it takes a lot of work Yeah, to get that level of urgency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might get you to uh, burst, bust out some more Kenneth Ibrahim impersonations later on. We'll see. Yeah. So, listener, especially if you're young or maybe you've just forgotten, what is Sega Rally Championship? Well, Sega Rally Championship in 1995 was the original release. came out in 1994 and it was Sega AM3's Model 2 board polygon arcade rally game. Can't say much more than that, really, no. until we go into it. It's an arcade rally game from Sega in the early mid-90s good place to start would be to find out why we're covering this in 2021. Well, it's obviously it's a a legendary game that's been on our big, long list probably since day one, 10 years ago of Kane and Rince. But why are we covering it this year? Well, simply because Carl put it forward for his nomination for the for the volume. So uh, why?
2: It's because, you know, with the, the way everything's been in the last year, as morbid as that sounds, it's, you know, you like to hark back to the memories of when times were good and my most social times were always in the arcades. And when I think of the arcades, you know, there are an echelon of titles that are absolutely immediate thoughts. Um, and Sega Rally was kind of the one, you know, that, that, that was where it felt like arcade games had just stepped up that other um, that, that other level from where they were at. And, you know, I was sat I remember... This was last year, and I was really ill with COVID at the time, and I was thinking about the arcade, and Sega Rally just popped into my mind. And you know, we've been doing this podcast a long time now, and you you start to think, well, when what what issue did we cover Sega Rally in? And then I looked at the list and we haven't covered it. And I'm like, why haven't we covered Sega Rally yet? It seems like such an obvious choice. Yeah. Um, so from that point, I mean, this was what, April 2020? I'd already decided that it was going to be the
0: nomination that I was probably right. most strongly going to put forward. And what's your history with the game outside of, well, obviously, feel free to tell us a bit more about the arcades. But what's your other than fond memories of the early, early mid 90s?
2: Yeah, so... and. Um, it's primarily around the the earliest ones but i did actually play Sega Rally on the Sega Saturn because if you had a Sega Saturn why wouldn't you play Sega Rally um i also had the windows version um which you okay. know i'll I'll talk yep. about a little bit later on we'll talk
0: more about that yeah um mm-hmm.
2: and I, I very briefly played the Sega Rally Xbox 360 title as i had it um, right at the back end of a rental scheme i had with a company and had to send it back so i had very very limited time and that that's kind of it it's my it's my legacy is um, you know stuck almost purely on the original Sega Rally Championship um, for for at least the strongest thoughts you know I've dabbled here or there with the other ones but not enough that I would have a, a lasting memory of of the experience with them uh, it, it purely sure. is the original purebred arcade nineteen ninety four beast
0: Mikio how about you and Sega Rally why are you here
2: yeah it's one of those things, I think
1: I went into this when we talked about Daytona a little bit already, but um, I used to reserve my credits in the arcades for uh, beat 'em ups and fighting games mostly during, uh, during the 90s. So I've never really gotten into arcade races when they were the hotness. But uh, fast forward to the 2000s and arcades being phased out everywhere. But you could still, in a lot of places like bowling alleys and yeah, all sorts of uh, amusement centers, you could still find your Sega Spectacle caps. You know,
0: still do sometimes mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. You can still you can still see them. And so for me, always the arcade razor was i was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to appreciating them but i um started gravitating toward them precisely in that area because it was what was left over of my fondly remembered arcade days so naturally i still associated it with uh with those heydays so yeah that was uh since there was that was all that was left over i had no choice but to uh throwing coins in the likes of Sega Rally in Daytona whenever I would come across those cabinets. And yeah, I mean, for that, I think of them much more fondly now than I did maybe perhaps in the time that they came out in. Um, And Sega Rally is no exception. I I very vividly remember actually going with my wife to uh, Disneyland Paris and uh, there being a, a Sega Rally Championship 1995 machine and us... There was only one cabinet, so they weren't linked up. So I was taking turns and trying to see who could uh, yeah, get the furthest on, uh, on the credit. Yeah, it was also somewhere in the, uh, in the 2000s. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of scattered memories. Um, and eventually I did get, when I got my Japanese Saturn, it came with a copy of uh, Sega Rally Championship 1995 as well, the, the um, Saturn port. So I spent a lot of time
0: with that one as well. We'll be talking muchly about that because that's where my memories are, chiefly. Mm. I probably only played the coin up a handful of times here and there. I tend to, I'm not particularly good at driving games and uh, I tend to find that my money tends to run out quite quickly. So they weren't always a huge draw. I love to watch them and I certainly played a a fair bit of, I guess if you add them all together over the years, I've played a fair amount, but probably in terms of how many times I've chucked a a quid or whatever into Sega rallies, yeah, it's probably like half a dozen or something. I can't actually remember if they've got a Sega rally at Arcade Club in Bury, which, uh, which is one of our favourite places. Um, You think so, right? If there is one, I haven't managed to get on it. Put it that way. Uh, Mm. They do have a Ridge Racer and an OutRun. But yes, and in Brighton, we uh, I've mentioned many, many, many times on this show about how lucky I've been to grow up in a place with many, literally like dozens of arcades all the way down West Street and across along the seafront. But I don't remember Sega Rally being quite as ubiquitous as some of the other Sega big games of the time. There definitely were some Sega Rally units uh, here and there and everywhere, uh, probably even a four-player one on the pier. But it wasn't quite as up and in your face, and I think also I remember I still remember the day and I'm sure I talked about it on the Daytona podcast. I remember the day I first saw both Ridge Racer and Daytona, and I was blown away by the 60 FPS textured polygon graphics because up to that point it had been either, obviously for the previous few years we'd had the model one type stuff, Virtua Fighter and Virtual Racing, which were very cool, but uh, flat sh- uh, you know single color polygons. Mm. Um, or even then, you know, we, we were still playing some sprite scaling games at that point as well, which had blown me away themselves in the 80s. So when Sega Rally arrived, it was very cool, and I loved the the look of the the terrain and the, the scenery and all that kind of thing, but it perhaps didn't quite have the same, like, jaw-dropping effect of something you've never seen before. No. Uh, so perhaps it just never quite grabbed me in the same way. But I did like the idea of driving over the different surfaces, surfaces and... Uh, I liked all the background details and, and all that kind of thing. And so it was really, yeah, when I got my Saturn, I got my Saturn in uh, summer of 96. It was obviously one of the first games that I had to buy. The reviews had been stellar. And I ended up playing that game, albeit with its three cars and four tracks so much. I absolutely, yeah, caned it. I set as many records on every track as you possibly could, you know, trying to uh, tweak my build and shave off, the hundredths of a second or whatever the denominations were i had ghosts saved to my memory cartridge and uh yeah i just i, I played it probably as much as uh, as i played ridge racer on playstation around the, the same era i've mentioned this before as well and i know it might sound absurd to people who are used to modern driving games which have hundreds of cars and hundreds of circuits but i actually really appreciate the focus on such limited options in that respect because it challenges me to get good at those circuits learn those circuits and those cars and not always think well i could just you know i could just buy you know in a forza garage or whatever just get a faster car and drive it faster that way it was like you had to kind of really mm. yeah get down with the detail yeah there's a sense of
1: mastery which i have no doubt will go into during this rep- during this podcast so, yeah
2: it makes the cars the hero as well you know you the, the, the Celica for example is so iconic in terms of its imagery yeah. and its iconography that you know you, you see that car because it was obviously based on a real car and your mind goes Sega Rally and it's because yeah, there was yeah. the three of them that that's that attachment that it has to that very limited it's funny. Of roster of vehicles
1: I can't remember who it was but recently on Twitter uh, I saw somebody post a picture of their car which was a Celica and they had done a paint job on it exactly yeah. like the paint job Uh, in in Sega Rally and you you don't need any context for that you know you see that and you know exactly what it's all in reference to
0: yes and uh, well I haven't been back enough I would say to Sega Rally I think at some point I thought that someone would make it do a, a, a contemporary port now There there is a version on PS2 that we'll talk about later uh, but there's never been uh, there was a back at, probably about 10 years ago now Sega released a handful of AM2 model 2 games for downloadable services so we got Daytona USA great version we got Virtual Fighter 2 we got Sonic the Fighters but it was all AM2 stuff which obviously I love but no AM3 stuff Sega Rally was begging to be put in that range as far as i was concerned but it it just didn't happen you can emulate the game obviously on pc and stuff but uh you know well we'll we'll talk a bit more about that kind of thing as i say the developer was am3 with sega am4 developing the cabinet and there's a special stage edition which we'll talk a little bit more about later which was developed by the i don't know i I can't remember what their actual name is but sega am5 were responsible for fairground rides if you will of, of of arcades Sega published it, obviously. The director and one of the main artists is Kenji Sasaki. Now, I never knew this until researching for this show, but Kenji Sasaki was a former Namco employee known best for his work on Ridge Racer. It's quite unusual for developers to jump across major studios in that way or or, or it doesn't come up very often. It it happens way
1: more than you think. I mean, there's a a lot of stories behind People um, jumping ship from Capcom to SK and vice versa. That's um, true, yeah. And also uh, mentioning Sega and Namco again. I forgot the name, who the developer was, but one of the main people behind um, the first Virtua Fighter jumped ship to Namco and uh, right. was the director of the first two Tekken, Tekken. games. Yeah, yeah, good point. I just, his yeah. name escapes me
0: at the moment. but uh, Maybe it was a swap deal, like a transfer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. But it's funny yeah. because both Namco and Sega have a lot of Things in common with the, the kind of games they put out in the arcades. Yeah. And Capcom and oh, SK yeah. of course, have a lot of uh, similar design. They ethic. were friendly rivals
0: pushing each other's games, pushing each other's tech yeah. in a way that was and beneficial. And each other's people as well. And, and apparently so, yeah. So seeking to develop a racing game that was distinct from Ridge Racer and Daytona, Sasaki chose the rally racing subgenre, which he felt was, quote, taboo in the Japanese gaming community. We were after something in vogue in terms of motorsport and as we were keen on great engine sounds, cool cars and great sensations, the obvious choice was rally. At one point Sasaki became deeply worried about rally's prospects for success and even began to question why driving cars was considered fun. I drove up into the mountains with my own car, he said. It was such an enjoyable and exhilarating experience and this was how the third mountain track in the game was conceived. It's from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Do you, know, do you know
2: what that car was, by the way? No. So his car was a uh, Lancia Delta, and his car recorded the oh, sounds yes. for that car in the game as well. So no wonder it was enjoyable and exhilarating. It was a heck you've, of a car. You've spoiled
0: one of the audio sections reveals there, but uh, that's <laughs> fine. The producer, of course, was Tetsuya Mizuguchi, who we now think of as the synesthesia dude, I guess, post-res. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Lumines, Meteos... Space Channel Five Tetris Effect.
1: Bit of a friend of the show as well, I hear.
0: Yes, yes, we managed to uh, we managed to speak to him as well. But this was, yeah, obviously in his Sega Arcade days, and the game came out on the Model Two AR. The CRX, Model 2A CRX, which is essentially uh, a Model 2 board, but with enhanced audio capabilities. So you will hear, although the arcade sound is a little different to the Saturn's arranged tunes, the audio is uh, just a little stronger than it was on previous Model 2 boards, as I understand it. Came out in October 11th, 1994 in Japan, a week later in America, another week later in the EU, I guess, as it was shipped around the world. The true frame rate of the game is not 60 FPS. It has been calculated that the actual frame rate is 57.52416 FPS. Mm. I think these things are important. Sean S. Thomas from the forum says, I dread to think how much money I put into the arcade version of this game on Southend Seafront. I never got any good at it, but just adored the feeling of sliding my car around on that machine. The seat felt like being in a real rally car. The pedals have good, gave good feedback and the gear stick was highly satisfying to click into place. I feel like I can still recall the mud spray hitting the screen. I was jealous of every Saturn owner who got to play it at home and still hope for a Sega Ages port that gives it the same love that the M2 team showed Virtua Racing. Yeah, I mean, that would be a fantastic thing. But unfortunately, it seems like the Sega Ages line is, well, it's at least asleep, if not finished. M2 pretty much said that they were they were done converting old Sega IPs to the Switch.
1: Well, until the next generation of consoles again.
0: they Homeport arrived in North America first on November the 15th, 1995, in time for Christmas. And there are some differences between the different versions. There's actually uh, sort of five distinct versions of Sega Rally on the Saturn, starting with the the North America one, which is the one you probably don't want. It's effectively version 1.0. It's like a version in an, in, in a modern sense. It would be the the. the, the version on the disc without the day one patch so it's got quite a few shortcomings compared to the Japanese version that released on December the 29th 1995 which they'd had an extra month and a bit to work on And they'd uh, made quite a few, I guess, individually, not too many of the improvements are massive, but as a whole, greater than the sum of their parts. There's a lot of graphical enhancements, reworked textures, extra detail in the backgrounds and all this kind of stuff. Hmm. I don't know if any of you have ever watched a comparison. I remember even at the time, this was the sort of era of magazines starting to pick up on this stuff. Uh, I remember, I think there was a screenshot comparison in CMVG sort of saying, look, Actually, because the PAL version, which arrived another month later, missing the Christmas window, which was probably another little blow for Saturn's chances in the EU arriving in early 1996 it was optimized at least it was uh, it was a 25 hertz game instead of uh, 30 frames per second on the ntsc but it was almost full screen uh, and it was based on the japanese 1.1 revision and i remember a screenshot like a side by side saying look this bit this bit of the background is missing on the original on on the first release on the us version but it's in it's in the it's in the japanese and pal versions mm. later still these versions i've never had any experience with on September the twentieth, nineteen ninety six, Sega Rally Plus was released in Japan. You can con- you can consider this a sort of one point two, which uh, which adds all the enhancements that we've already had, uh, plus a few more just little uh, little tweaks here and there. Not not so much to the game itself, but to the to the presentation and so on and so forth. And then the final version for Saturn arrived in nineteen ninety eight, apparently. Uh, which seems very late, but there it is. It was a Netlink edition, so it could even be played online. And I, I've seen a video of somebody still getting this to work somehow in 20-something, <laughs> 2020-something, actually playing it online with other people. And that, so that version, if, if, if you can get that one, the final release, the North American Netlink edition, is your final and probably best option, version 1.3, if you will. Mm. The game also came to Windows PC, Converted by the Sega PC team. Arrived in Japan January 31st, 1997. So already over two years after the original coin-op had come out. Although I suppose that sort of gap for a arcade conversion wasn't really that unusual back in those days. Arrived in America a few weeks later. It was released by Empire Software over here in the UK. Remember that? The first version that was released for Sega, uh, sorry, for PC, runs in software mode only and is essentially a straight Conversion of the Saturn port. It's capped at 30 FPS, regardless of what your PC can do. You've got some options graphically of 8 or 16-bit colour, and you've got two resolution options of either 320 by 240 or 640 by 480, which is higher than the original coin op. And the music is all on RedBook CD, straight from the CD audio. So if you download this now, you're probably not going to have the music, but there are mods more so. For this second version, and again, I didn't know about this until researching for the podcast, there was a limited release bundled with the Orchid Righteous Direct 3D graphics card, which I didn't know was a thing. That version does run at 60 FPS. It has bilinear filtering optionally. It has transparencies on the windows and stuff like that. It has a fog effect for distance. And again, the audio is uh, is on the, on the CD and, and played from the CD. Now, I think that version forms the basis of a mod version, although as I understand it, what, what clever folks have done is they've taken the original software mode only version, modded it to re- look and run more like this Orchid Righteous Direct 3D version, gone further with the enhancements with things like 16.9 support and, and higher frame rates still and all this kind of thing. So there are ways to play Sega Rally today on a, on a contemporary PC, but you might need to do some jiggery pokery and go around the houses. Carl, you played the PC version. You say was it just the the bog standard yeah. software mode only one? It, right. it
2: was. It was definitely. I remember I was playing it at six forty by four eighty, and obviously, aside from the impact of not having the wheel, which is a fundamental enjoyment element of the uh, oh, yeah. of the arcade release, visually, I found it very off-putting because it was too sharp in the way that many of the mm. transitions to. Um, of sega games specifically around that era um you know i had virtual fighter on the pc i had one of the sonic titles i I can't remember which one now Um, and it wasn't so bad with sonic but virtual fighter did suffer from the same thing it looked too sharp it wasn't like you know how things on a pc monitor are very sharp and on a tv you get that nice effect that, that's far more like the arcade and that was incredibly CRT off-putting style yeah yeah it was incredibly mm. off-putting how sharp it was and you know i was playing it with what would have been a sidewinder controller at the time which was mm. a pale imitation of the phenomenal sega saturn controller or you know even better the the arcade cabinet with a wheel so it was already on a you know a hide into nowhere for me um getting it but the idea that i was going to Play this at home on a PC, um, with all the bells and whistles of the power of a PC, and it actually it was my by far and away my least favourite version
0: of the three. Uh, and that's actually one that, one of the other things I wanted to mention about the mod scene is that if you do get this together, obviously there's a there's a fan scene because there is for every cool game ever released and some not so cool games. But uh, force feedback wheel support is one of the mods that you can add if you play it today, which is pretty incredible, I think. There was a GBA game called Sega Rally, but it's not really a port of this original Sega Rally. It's a kind of handheld, sixteen-bitish mishmash of Sega Rally One and Two, and uh, didn't didn't go down terribly well. That came out in two thousand two, two thousand and three. If you ever, either of you ever play the GBA Sega Rally on the, in the hopes no. that it would be?
2: No, I avoided all racing games on the GBA, like the plague. If I'm being honest. Um there were always so often pay limitations or spin-offs that it was just safer to just not spend money in in that market and just get like home console releases and it it, you know, some, some degree of ignorance perhaps there, but it was I didn't have a lot of money at the time and it was better safe than sorry.
1: Wasn't there, there also some uh very poor versions of Burnout on the GBA or on the DS maybe?
0: Uh there was a DS on one that was so good. Yeah. And a rich Racer as well. There was also an N-Gage version of Sega Rally. Again, not really the same game as such, so much as a game that was called Sega Rally that worked on the N-Gage. It was released in Australia in 2004, but it was supposed to come out elsewhere and never did. Just mention it for the sake of completeness. Who had an N-Gage?
1: I did. A oh. QD
0: model. Massively improved, though, for the original N-Gage. I knew you were the the coolest person on on Cain and So that was the one that you didn't have to hold sideways to your head, right?
1: Exactly. And you didn't (laughs) have to uh, open it up, unscrew it, uh, take (laughs) out the battery uh, to put the uh, actual game, game, a new game in there uh so it had a little sd card slot on the side yes no but um i uh, actually didn't go out and buy one it was a gift from the head editor of GamePro magazine who got one for free on e3 2006 if i'm not well, mistaken that is
0: pretty cool then yeah
1: exactly so he, he basically they were giving him out to people uh at uh, at e3 so he uh
0: yeah, he just passed uh, his off to, to me when he and came And How back. was your Australian import copy of Sega Rally?
1: I didn't have it. I had a couple Lo- of other uh, I had a couple of other games <laughs> on it. Yeah, that came with uh, the whole package. There was Interesting. A, there was a pretty impressive version of Splinter Cell on it, uh, but uh, Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean graphically impressive for uh, like a Java-based kind of kind of game, but uh yeah, it didn't play very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting version is this, which I, I'm sure I intended to get at some point, but never got round to it. I was talking to our Brian about it earlier today. He was asking, you know, how do I play Sega Rally? And I said, do you have a PS2 that plays import games? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, maybe one way of doing this then, if you, unless you just get a Saturn, is, uh, is playing Sega Rally 2006, which was a Japan and Korea only Release two thousand six, mm. as well as a new Sega Rally game, which I think was meant to be, you know, fine, so so, okay, whatever. It also came with a a sort of direct port of the arcade game, so it, it missed some of the home consumer features of the Saturn version. Yeah. I think it was so there were no like three lap options or ghost and time trials or any of that kind of stuff. But if you just wanted a, a version of the of the arcade machine at, at home, the PS two was is one way of of doing that it's not identical but it's close and unlike the Saturn version it runs at sixty frames a second you got various resolution options and and stuff like that so check out ebay i guess is the thing when the Saturn version came out it was reviewed quite well cmvG gave it ninety five percent <laughs> gamesmaster gave it ninety five percent Sega power gave it ninety seven percent Sega Saturn magazine gave it ninety seven percent and maximum gave it 5 out of 5 stars. The Windows version was less well-received. I'm not sure if it was just because it was slightly clunky and disappointing or because it wasn't up to the state of the art of PC games, but GameSpot gave it 5.6 out of 10 and CGW gave it 3 out of 5 stars. That GBA version has a Metacritic score of 59 out of 100. Better than the PC version. (laughs) I guess, but it probably explains why none of us has ever gone out of our way to add it to our GBA collection. Game Fan Mega Awards in 1995 gave Sega Rally Racing Game of the Year, and Retro Gamer magazine in 2009 gave Sega Rally the Top Racing Game Ever award. The game did really rather well, perhaps even better than I thought. Again, probably based on my own experience of what I've seen around the country, even around the world. I always assume that Daytona is the one that's made the most money, but it seems that Sega Rally possibly did even better. According to a piece in Eurogamer in 2007 by Dave McCarthy, the most successful arcade cabinet in Sega's illustrious arcade cabinet making history. According to Sega, there's one machine out there that has made over £750,000 in the 12 wow. years since it was released in 1995. Sega shipped 12,000 hardware units. There, were, there was a big deluxe cab, which is kind of a sit down, but it's like a, it looks a bit like a sort of... A chibi Toyota Celica, hmm. and it's got a projector screen. I think, well, not projector. It's a rear projector, isn't it? It's like a big. It's got a big box at the end. Maybe it is a CRT, but it's it was like it looked like an early flat panel. Which ones do you remember? Play- the the other one was the. I guess it's called. Um, it's just a twin, isn't it? It's the 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 one that I've seen most times is the is the twin, which is two side by side with the one marquee. Yeah. And if you get two of those next to each other, you've got four player, which is. The most it supports, I think.
1: I remember seeing the uh just a, a single
0: version of the standard sit down. Yeah, the most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe the twin is just two singles bolted together with a marquee it on. Could
2: be. Yeah. Yeah, I was quite fortunate in that I saw a, a lot of different mockups of this unit. Essentially, um, there was the, the there was the dual version, um, which I've only ever got to experience a, a very small handful of times. Sadly, I'm assuming. You know, arcades were the machines were really relatively big in the mid '90s, and I assume they were probably taking up too much space, so they generally reduced to a a one-party console uh, machine unit. Daytona was always really successful, so Daytona always had the four units wherever you went up here in the in in the north. So that was kind of always the priority. Um I did actually experience a mocked-up. Sega Rally, which was the bench seat, the the kind that if you'd ever played a sit-down version of OutRun, for example, it would have been in that. And I also played a stand-up version of Sega Rally, which mm-hmm. anything with pedals uh, that was stand-up used to always really kill the old Achilles after a couple of games. Yeah, but whenever you got like a nice, you know, the the official liveried uh, sit-down cabinet, uh, they were just an absolute joy to play in. They were there were sort of motive and, and kind of the next step up you know machines at that time had obviously taken on that mantle of 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 that immersion you know Daytona was an obvious one we had like Cruising USA used to generally have car versions that would sit there but there was just something that was a bit prestige about Sega Rally and I think for me personally it always stood out the, the, that beautiful iconography that you always saw all the branding was always so sharp and crisp and mm. like uh, just the 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 advertisements, the the posters and everything for Sega Rally is, even to this day when you look at them, absolutely stunning. And that always used to draw me to those machines. So, yeah, um, I'd like you, Leon, I'm a little bit surprised that Sega Rally was more successful than Daytona because I never got that impression. Um, Mm. You know, they were always the ones. And I think if if ever I was with friends, it was Daytona because, you know, you'd have the four of you, it was blaring loud. But if I was ever on my own in the arcade, it, I'd, never, I'd never touched Daytona. It was Sega Rally. So maybe that's why it was successful. Yeah, there's, I think
1: f- for the impressions that I got um, was that I, I did see Daytona around a lot, but Sega Rally I saw everywhere, like it seemed like. And for for a long yeah, time, I right. still know places that, that have one. So for for
0: my money, I did always get the impression that Sega Rally was more widespread somehow. As I say, I I don't, unfortunately, we don't have detailed data to go on, but it sounds like I'm sure I'm sure Dave McCarthy and Eurogamer, albeit 14 years ago, did his research. And uh, uh, I'm willing to I'm willing to believe that. Although, of course, given that some of those Daytona and Sega Rally machines are still around, perhaps the figures have changed (laughs) another 14 years down the line. Maybe it's made a million. uh, Yeah, well, if that's if that one is still there taking money, who knows what it's on by now? Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned all the, the, the flyers and promotional stuff. Yeah, I've, I've, I think it's telling that obviously this is an audio medium and the show notes are mainly a, a, a practical thing. But I also like to, you know, sometimes just uh, embellish them a bit with a few images. And I've done way more than normal for this show. Uh, and I, I think that's partly because the all that imagery and iconography and uh, sort of, yeah, sense of fun and dynamism that the Sega Rally art and promotional materials brings was sort of I felt like it would yeah it would bring some bring some sort of accordan according energy to the to the show uh, we're looking at one right now where we are on the uh, on on the uh, on the sheet which is yeah I think it's just a japanese arcade flyer it also amuses me that although the game is understandably known mainly as sega rally sega rally championship if you want to be formal actually the the, the logo for the original game says, Sega Rally Championship, Sega, Sega Rally Championship, 1995 International Rally. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they should have called it that. Yeah, that should be the official title, right? Run to the next level, it says. The Saturn version sold 1.2 million units, which, you know, by a lot of standards, isn't that much. But bear in mind, the Saturn didn't do tremendously well as a console. I think the attach rate must have been pretty high. One of my memories, you can still buy, it depends which version you're after of those five versions that I mentioned as to how much it'll set you back these days in a in a retro thrift store or online. But uh, one of my memories is going to CEX London when CEX was kind of an import mecca rather than a, a mecca for iPads and iPhones. They had a massive stack of PAL Sega rallies and they were selling them for 20p each.
1: Yeah, going back a little bit to the cabinets that we've seen the most, I might have, it might have been the twin types, though, when uh, now thinking a little bit deeper back to it. But I think the one in Disneyland Paris, maybe I did remember that being a single type, might be because one of them just broke down. It was just
0: a black screen. <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> okay. Also sadly common.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk more about the visuals of the actual game both in terms of the tech of the time, the impression it made on us and, uh, and the art design. I think, Like I, I know I almost sounded like I was a bit down on it earlier saying, well, I'd already seen Ridge Racer from Daytona. So the impact had been slightly lost, which I, I would still say is true. But that again, that's not to say that for the time, the graphics weren't pretty stunning.
2: No, I mean, they, they, they stood out for a number of reasons. I mean, Ridge Racer was definitely a standout title at the time but the fact that we had cars that were emblazoned with real branding you know it had that sense that these were actual vehicles that you could drive around and we were still in an age where polygonal graphic delivery was really still finding its feet to some degree and you know there were little differences in terms of uh, you know shadings and and, and colors and stuff um, on the textures that covered them but it was the second that you actually looked at the car and the ground. That is where Sega Rally just absolutely set itself away uh, apart from everything. And you know, you look a year on roughly from from where Daytona was, Sega Rally, and that was just exponentially, you know, huge increment from from what we'd actually seen before. And you you can still see that now when you look at like screenshots of Daytona compared to screenshots of Sega Rally. So if you imagine that back then, when you didn't have all these games around you that were technical marvels the the second it was Sega Rally was kind of the game you saw it in the arcade and you're like whoa this is this this is just different this just looks better and it was it was the it was the ground the surface and I think that that was something that was lost with those other titles where it was all about the scenery or the items around you or you know in, in the case of like Daytona the caves and, and some of the you know the, the statues and whatnot that were there but with Sega Rally yeah. it was actually the, the foundation that you're driving on was where the where the graphics were and and kind of once you saw that everything else to me at that time just looked boring the big difference
1: between daytona usa and segarelli is that um daytona usa is somehow more immediately spectacular with mm-hmm. all the cars on the road and just the sheer speed of it and all the sort color. of the, yeah all the color and the grand scale uh and daytona usa lets you it sort of makes very clear decisions on what to show you graphics wise you know it it communicates The most important details in a very concise way. And then once you go to Sega Rally, there is, ironically enough, there's a lot more grit and detail that maybe gets lost in a first impression. Yeah. But once you sort of get sunk into that world, yeah, you see it like Carl was saying, like the the surfaces of the roads and the, the textures and
0: everything. I used to love showing people those elephants. Yeah, yeah walking <laughs> down on the Saturn version, like look, and, elephants.
1: And then the effects <laughs> of uh, of of the 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 sand uh, being blown away by the helicopter passing. Oh, yeah. passing over and and those kind of things, you know. It it it's sort of it feels weird to say, but. Sega Rally Championship 1995 feels a little bit more smaller in scale and more intimate. Mm. And maybe that's why it's not immediately as impressive. But yeah, once you do pick up on all the details, it's definitely a step up
2: it's definitely the one that's least in your face i mean ridge racer yeah. it comes you know it's all about blaring around corners the sound the speed and everything and that you know um, that's not a knock of that game it, that's a phenomenal yeah. way to play a game and it was brilliant at the time and you know daytona was loud you know it was it just you, you walked into an arcade and you knew if there was a daytona machine in that arcade somewhere immediately because it was just deafening sega rally it it played its its hands a little closer to its chest in terms of its details. There was a skill yeah. and a craft. There was there was like a level of entry of skill to actually be quite good at it. At it in a way that I probably hadn't experienced in a arcade racer since uh, since outrun. Um, and the fact that it rewards multiple players um, and the more that you play it the more you start to really appreciate those graphical details and the fidelity and the i I distinctly remember it was the different shades of gray on a road which sounds like the most ridiculous comment to hear on a podcast because firstly it's grey. i
0: totally know what you mean yeah but but it's
2: it's that and you see it in screenshots now and you look at the other games and you go oh yeah absolutely and it was we just hadn't seen that before
0: yeah and i suppose i i would like to it's difficult for us to judge and maybe it's even not even that worthwhile but i'm sort of interested in how how we talk about these graphics today as in yes in 1994 they were state of the art right pretty much uh, in terms of smooth fast polygonal 3d here we are in 2021 i think it's the kind of thing like I, uh, when i showed my 11 year old niece super mario 64 or when she yeah saw it on her switch when she'd been looking forward to playing Super Mario Galaxy and Sunshine and she went, you know, these graphics are awful. I think, you know, you could expect a similar kind of response from maybe a younger person to Sega Rally's graphics today. But I think maybe, I mean, yes, obviously I'm aware that I'm kind of yeah biased based on my nostalgia, but I think the, you know, the stuff like the use of color and the general visual dynamism, especially in the replays and the attract mode and stuff like that, I think that still gives it a, a sense of joie de vivre that a lot of modern games perhaps don't capture in quite the same way
1: I'm a little bit surprised to hear that about your niece actually because I think we live now in an era where you have games in all sorts of graphical styles and yeah, you know yeah. kids play things like Undertale and they play obviously Minecraft
0: Minecraft of course um, yeah, yeah sure you know,
1: so yeah I mean
0: yeah i never got that with my kids when they she's see just a massive graphics games. snob you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah i think <laughs> i would love yeah. to play super mario 64 with ray tracing by the way it would look amazing it really yeah. anyway but, back to sega rally
2: i was just going to say the, the the character of graphics can carry a game through the ages and yes uh you we've discussed this on the podcast on many different shows and quite often in in terms of 2d that that definitely lends true more than 3D. Um, But I think back about certain games that maybe weren't raved about at the time that actually you can really appreciate now. Obviously, Sega Rally, I still think, has a lot of appeal, but I think of things like Ridge Racer Type 4, for example, which was quite off-putting to a lot of people with light trails. And you look at it now and it actually has a sense of character that lends itself through time. And I think Sega Rally is one of those games compared to its compared to the likes of Ridge Racer or Daytona or the, the other games of that era, um, Ridge Racer is still the one that stands out, I think. And it, it's also immediately playable. And, you know, you, you you don't necessarily play a game just by looking at it. But the the feel and the movement and the motion that comes with those graphics in Sega Rally, for me, still make that game immediately playable. When I, um, and this is talking about the Saturn version,
1: of course, but when I got uh, my um, Saturn, and I put in the disc for the first time. I was bracing myself for that mid nineties three D, you know, like oh, this is going to be awful. Yeah. And then I was so pleasantly surprised with just how good the Saturn version yeah. actually still looked. What and, year was it? Sorry, that you were talking this about. This was maybe two thousand eleven or twelve. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, yeah, I was just so surprised, like, and like Carl says, the character goes a long way, you know, the blue skies, the the textured, textured sky, and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, like just the way, let's say, the, um, the, the low amount of polygons are, um, are used, um, and, and that's, that always makes a difference between, you know, one side of, uh, of a game's aesthetics is the technical side the other side is just like the craftsmanship like how yeah, yeah. absolutely how people use the tools that they have to to convey things yeah and yeah i think uh yeah in that sense it's still a success
0: and still has a really yeah confident look about it i completely agree i think to a newcomer now a young person or somebody just never played it i think the model 2 version would be an easier sell than the Saturn version the Saturn version runs at half the frame rate runs at half the resolution doesn't have transparencies has those weird checkerboard windows and and all this kind of thing so i think i've watched uh, you know looking looking back at that game it perhaps is a bit it's a bit chunky looking and a bit jarring compared to to the original but at the time it was an astonishing conversion. The fact that we could, we had a home version that was absolutely recognisably yeah. a home version for yeah. forty five quid as this whatever ten thousand arc, pound state of the art arcade yeah. machine was unbelievable.
1: Because that was a that was a really big difference between the PlayStation and uh, the Sega Saturn was as far as three D went. Sega's arcade games were built on, generally, if we're not talking about the STV, uh, were built on much more powerful hardware, whereas uh, the Namco arcade games that came to the PlayStation were built on more comparable, like lower-spec arcade boards Yeah, yeah that, that were more comparable to uh, the PlayStation hardware, actually. So, which meant that the 3D, ga- the 3D arcade games that came to the PlayStation always looked more impressive that way.
0: While developing the game's visual style, the development team spent three weeks driving from the west coast of the US to Mexico, taking photographs for use in texture mapping. Lucky them. Sounds all right, doesn't it? It's a heck of a road trip, Mm. that. And yeah, again, like I think that sort of, I think it would be easy to think that kind of research was a bit overindulgent and overexpensive when they could have just used, you know, libraries or image books you know books of uh, stock images or whatever but no they went there they took the photographs it's a great example of you know japanese teams in particular taking that stuff incredibly seriously willing to spend money on the on the production process in the knowledge that there might be other ways of doing it but ultimately it'll probably pay off doing it the the real the expensive the organic way so we mentioned quite a few times the volume of the Daytona coin up, even though I'm sure it had a setting and arcade owners could have chosen to uh, turn it down. They rarely did. Sega Rally, I, I found, didn't have in the arcades quite the same audio footprint, generally. I don't know if that was just the arcade operator's choice. It seems that in terms of the, the thing that I do remember hearing is, uh, it is the announcer, the, the, the pace notes, if somebody else was playing obviously i was aware of the coin op the engine noise might not be so easy to kind of pick out from the other general arcade cacophony but you would be able to hear the announcer or the navigator credited as kennes ibrahim although i strongly suspect that is a pseudonym uh the 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 fairly legendary pace notes from the game which we've already heard mikel doing impersonations of and the fact that they're slightly i know they 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 have some uh Bearing on real life rally pace notes, but they're actually they're a little bit. They've got that kind of Sega Japanese arcade quirk to them. They're they're a little bit kooky. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> it's safe to say, especially <laughs> when you just listen to them all back to back in an audio file.
0: <laughs> as we did, yeah, yeah, we, as we did, yeah. We we noticed there's a there's a someone's brilliantly uploaded the audio file to the uh, to YouTube. Uh, it's about three minutes of him just giving all his various different uh, you know from. Easy left all the way up to whatever the longest version of that is. (laughs) Very easy, long. Very easy, right? Maybe there's There's something
1: uh, so um, charmingly uh, indecisive about those
0: uh, those kind of descriptions, right? I still don't know, and in fact, we're gonna we're gonna have to myth bust one of our correspondents because, uh, and and I think this was quite common. They heard baby. So yeah. as if, as if, yeah. as if the, as if the announcer is calling their, Easy their left, driver, baby, yeah, Easy left, exactly. baby. <laughs> no, he's definitely saying maybe, yeah. and, and I don't know, I like, I've watched a little bit of rally in my life and I've played some more serious rally games, but I don't know if that's a thing that you would actually say to a driver. <laughs> maybe? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, a bit of it, indecision. It it's just what you
2: want to hear from your co driver. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah.
0: But yes, the, the concept of actually, I, I guess it, it was a, there had been rally games before Sega Rally, but I don't remember one that actually had audio pace notes. Colin McRae didn't arrive for another four years, three or four years after this.
2: Yeah, 1971.
0: Doing the business. See, I remember his name. And uh, and also, yeah, the other thing about listening to the, the whole audio file is and I Carl and I have both never heard this in game. So I wonder if if it was I don't know if it was a specific circumstance, but he actually goes, oh, God, he sounds like, you know, there's that famous clip from that famously bad movie of the guy going, oh, God, oh, no, oh, God, oh, no, on the beach, some kind of horror movie, I think it sounds like that. And I wondered if, it, if it, it never plays in the PAL version, I don't think. I assume, you know, in the same way that Oh My Car was <laughs> replaced Oh My God because you don't, you don't yeah. blaspheme. No. But it sounds actually, if you just play them back to back, it sounds a little bit like a, a, a kind of some bad porn acting. It definitely hits its climax, doesn't it? As Carl already mentioned, stealing my thunder, <laughs> Mizuguchi's own car was used to produce the in-game sound of the Lancia Delta's engine. Uh, talking about the the engine noises, yeah, I remember the uh, and again because not being like a r- real big rally fan or anything, uh, one of the things I noticed when playing a lot of the Saturn version was that that sort of backfire sound that you get in rally. I don't know what it is. I don't know what causes it. I don't know if either of you knows more about enough enough about cars, but that kind of like putt putt noise that you get when you're when you're sliding around corners or changing gears or accelerating, whatever it is. It sounds like something Carl would know.
2: <laughs> I'm not, not. I'm, I'm pretty sure I do know, but just not confidently enough to uh, state it. On a
0: podcast. It yeah. sounds good, right? When it goes, <laughs> that, know, that's it. And, I mean, you, everyone you know kind that of loves only.
2: the popping exhausts, right? That, that, that's part of the character of of when you watch rally, anyway. Yeah, you know, that, that kind of. You know, some people call it a backfire. It's, it's the exhaust popping, but it's a uh, yeah, yeah. It the, the fact that that was in the game again i would not experienced something to that degree in the arcades. It, it, the the sound effects were fantastic anyway. Um and, and again in so many other ways it definitely helped set it apart as a, as an all-round experience. It wasn't just, you know, something that was strong in one category. It didn't just go all into graphics. It you know, it really did balance it out with what were actually, you know, you listen back to them now, actually quite unbelievable sound effects for the time.
0: And of course, being a Sega coin-op and a Japanese video game from the 90s. Almost everything you do is accompanied by music, from the attract mode to each of the tracks to the menus to entering your name and the high score table and things like this. A main composer is Takanobu Mitsuyoshi of Daytona and others' fame. Uh, some assistance from Naofumi Hataya. I'm not sure exactly who tackled which elements, but you can certainly hear the uh, Mitsuyoshi uh, sort of trademark vocals at points, although I think. The my favourite one, which is the song, the full blown lyrical masterpiece that is my dear friend Rally. I don't know if that is in the coin op at all. Uh, obviously, I've not played the coin op enough to hear it, but it's certainly in the Saturn version. It's a it's a three minute song, and contains some you know, legendary English lyrics, which uh, sort of sing of the the joy of of Rally driving. And uh, yeah, it's quite something. I imagine we'll close this this show with it but as for the the other music well it opens with a a big old slap bass riff yeah uh, the desert Amazing. tracks, the, the desert tracks accompanied by some quite uh yeah relatively heavy rock not exactly metal but and you've also got some jazz funk in there uh you got various uh kind of fun cheesy genres ticked off uh adds a lot of personality for me
1: Ben uh, Cartlidge of One Critic Classics and Video it's described the soundtrack of Sega Rally Championship 1995 as uh, having something for everyone. Mm. Best of all sorts of worlds, musically. Nothing more yeah. well than the music? But... No, it's really good stuff. And But we can't just mention the music and not uh, mention the Game Over theme. Right. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, never I, I...
1: has it been more joyous to Game Over in a game,
0: never I've... has it been more celebrated. I've said to uh, to friends and family since I first got this game at home that that is the last thing I want played at my funeral. Uh, <laughs> after, genuinely, after, or or actually, if if there was any kind of, I mean, I don't want a gravestone or anything, but if there was any kind of memorial bench or or tree, I would want it to play that as people approached it. Yeah. Uh, after the Captain Toad theme plays when I go into the incinerator, and I th- I think every game should end with this. Yeah. I, I think it's that good, a game over song, that I think every single game should end with game yeah. no matter I don't care how serious. Yeah. <laughs> or what the subject matter is. This war of mine. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've never been happier
2: to pump fifty pences into a machine after I've lost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Amazing stuff. Yeah. So all that presentation, the sound of music, and all that good fun. It wouldn't matter much if the game was a pig to play, which, you know, sometimes racing games were back in the day. Occasionally <laughs> they even still are. Obviously Sega knew what it was doing. It had been making fun, successful racing games in the arcade already for more than a decade at this point.
1: Since Hang On maybe, right?
0: Yeah, Hang On probably. Yeah, 1985. But I think uh, maybe here's the one where... I I remember people talking about Sega Rally as as a game, as in the the game to play, like as... With such high esteem, you know, in in, on gaming forums and stuff. Well, well, well. Years after the game was released, you would often sort of see people sort of saying, "Well, still no Sega Rally, is it? Like Sega Rally, the peak of fun in terms of um, in terms of arcade racing." And what do you? What? Why is it that people? And I mean, I'm guessing the fact that Carl, you nominated this game for this this show. Yeah. I know. I know it's the whole thing, but as I say, if 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 the handling was wrong, if the feel of the car wasn't what it was I don't think we'd have quite this level of affection and nostalgia for the game
2: no I think you're absolutely right and uh, this felt like the first time that we'd had a true passion project for what the love of being in a vehicle is in an arcade game or you know even you know I agree to that point a a console game until what um, Gran Turismo kind of took that mantle and ran with it about the whole passion of being part of the car Um, but this was Mm. something where you know the the car held an element of weight it it, you know it leaned and tilted on the track you could jump and not necessarily land straight there was an element of skill about how you approached each corner turning back into the corners um in a way that wasn't just standard drifting but in terms of actually holding it to get around the track faster um it just did so many things that I hadn't experienced at that level of quality. You know, we we, we experienced certain elements of game, you know, like drifting and OutRun always felt really good when you got it, you know, nice on the the corners. And then, you know, uh, obviously Ridge Racer was probably the prestige drift game um, at that time. But there was just Mm. nothing where you felt like you were actually tearing up a track and there was the risk of obstacle or crashing around you at, at any moment. And then you'd finish a lap and you're already thinking, right? I understand. Okay, if I if I just do this, you know, and I'll tweak it, and I'll you know, I'll steer back in at this bend, and if I just slow down, and and it brought this element, and I mentioned earlier about a, a skill gap in terms of the terms of entry. You know, anyone could play it and have fun because the graphics were great, the music was fun, the sound effects were there, and it it felt good to, to play. But the more you played it, the more it really started to pay off and It felt like this was actually about selling not just the quality of the technology that was pushing it, but also the car was the hero the level of skill it actually takes to do this and rally as a concept um you know from the you're getting shouted the relatively loose instructions of of what turns are coming um fair enough, but that everything just brought you to that that focal point where. You, were, you you when you got dialed in you know you, you understand what's coming you you understand your speed how hard you have to turn it the feel of the car the just the what feels like the real destruction of the track how are you going to land it, it it all just came together for an experience that I, I get excited thinking about that moment when i was doing that in the in the arcade i was sat down in the unit and you know i'm, I'm playing with a wheel it was It was the whole immersive element of everything came together for what was such an ideal, idyllic moment in in arcade gaming for me. That that's when it felt like of the multitude of racing games I'd played on a wheel, and there'd been many. You know, the the arcade was you know littered with uh, arcade racing games. This was the one that felt like. I could just play. I could just come to the arcade, and if I just played this and left, I'll be very, very happy. And that was all to do with the actual core feel of the game it was just so,
0: so polished. I remember the haptic feedback of the outrun outrun uh, machines very well. I can still feel that uh, wrestling in my hands. And again, I've been back to that yeah. in recent times at arcade club. Was I, I assume Sega Rally's was similarly convincing and, and strong?
2: Uh, not, not so strong in that. You felt that you were fighting it because it was about getting that wheel round, you know, quicker. So mm. the the lighting, the the lighting, the handling felt somewhat light mm. in terms of how right. you could whip the wheel round. But there was that that sense of okay, you know, you sense of feel. I'm trying to think from memory whether it was just the sound that was caused the unit to vibrate, or yeah. if it was actually just a subtle. I'm sure it. I'm sure it. Trade off in the wheel a bit. Yeah. I'm sure there was haptic, given you know everything else seemed in to an in the arcade. ideal
0: world. In the lead up to this uh, show, we'd have all gone to the arcades together and played Sega Rally on on original hardware. But uh, sadly, (laughs) even even outside of pandemic times, that would have been a challenge. A little bit of a logistics challenge, yeah. Uh, uh, Well, indeed, yes. Uh, But also, this was, again, being a rally game, going from the non-stop tarmac of the likes of Daytona, this game actually mixes up the the feedback based on the surface that you're on at any particular time. So there is some road racing, but yeah. you're also on sand, you're on mud, uh, a but few other surfaces.
1: But here's the thing. Uh, again, drawing the comparison to Daytona, when you expect a rally game without knowing anything about Sega Rally yet, you expect something much more slower than you would see in Daytona, right? It's like plowing through rough terrain and yeah. like uh, yeah. And yeah. mud yeah. courses and everything. Yeah, that's not exactly what you get when you play Rally for the first time because it's pretty damn speedy, you know. Um, so there is definitely a difference in terrain and how it affects your handling, but it's not like exactly like it's a slow
0: racing game at all. This is no simulation. We should make that very clear. Exactly. Yeah. Years and years since we've had so many Colin McRae games, we've got WRC uh, and and multiple other rally series that have come and gone yeah. often with some very strong entries some of them way more simulation like than others normally with some concessions to arcadiness but this was not a game that was really that concerned with making a rally simulation in the same way as Ridge Racer was a sort of a game that gave players the chance to just come into an arcade and feel like they were a Japanese drift Car racer. Yeah, the idea was here you could sit in one of these, and yes, there was a, le- a huge level of depth and mastery to be had. Yeah. but but not at the at the expense of accessibility. So no. it, if you or I, I mean, I don't even drive in real life. So you sit me in a rally car, and you know, I just wouldn't be, even be able to start it, let alone go anywhere. But even if you taught me the basics of learning how to drive, rally driving is extraordinarily difficult and skillful. Right, you spend exactly half your time sideways. Uh, just teetering over the brink of mountainsides and things like this
1: and it's not even inaccessibility it's also they didn't want it obviously to go at the cost of excitement and a certain sense of speed
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: so what you get is that yeah there is the different kinds of terrains the navigator or co-driver shouting the instructions the arrows on screen really imprinting you how important it is to learn the tracks. Um, They're not just like there for spectacle, like a roller coaster ride. They're actually, you get instilled that sense really early Mm. already that you're supposed to master these bends and curves. Like Carl was also saying, the physics are, um, they're, they're super nuanced to where you can indeed hit a bump and fly off the road. Mm. and, um, yeah, land in a completely wrong way. If you look at that first track, the desert track, there's a lot going on there already, and it really sets the tone for the other two tracks and the rest of the game.
0: One thing that I think is still some kind of mysterious witchcraft is how they took this game that was designed for the arcades to be played on an analog steering wheel with some haptics, and they managed to make it, play on a Saturn at home with a digital D-pad yeah. and it yeah. still felt amazing to play. Hands down
1: the best uh, digital race racing controls uh, I've, ever, I've ever played. And I, I think I know how they did it. <laughs>
0: okay, I think good. I know
1: how they did it. It's because the presses to the left and right on the D-pad simulate you turning a steering wheel in that direction. So the longer you hold one direction, the more... Yeah, you turn your steering wheel basically. So it has its digital controls, but it has a real analog feeling to it, uh, rather than just
2: tap tap tap, gotcha. uh, skidding
1: yeah. or, or sort of yeah, yes, yeah, like sort of skipping left to right in a very jittery way.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean the code behind it is obviously very very good, and it's it's taken a long time to get it to that level of you know tactile, tactility where it it feels. Like you could reference it to the to the wheel version of the arcade game, and of course, then it's also backed up by the Sega Saturn's D-pad, which, to my money, is still the best D-pad that I've used on a on a. It controller. was a good one. So, there were,
0: there were, of course, more than one pad, but um, it depends yes. if you, you're talking about the 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 slimmer ones with the rubber pad or the the slightly chunkier batarangs with the plastic D-pad. But yeah, they both work fine, I think. And there was, of course, a wheel for the Saturn, uh, which didn't offer force feedback, but did, did give you analog controls. And here's another difference between that version 1.0, the original US release, and the Japanese and PAL releases, is that the the night's the 3D controller, the analog pad, for, was treated as a wheel by the Japanese and PAL versions of Sega Rally. And they, this is how I used to play. I don't think you could. I, I don't think the the game would. Recognize the 3D pad on the US version, or maybe it would still play it as a wheel. I'm not certain, but this is how I mainly played the game. Even though I I, I remember playing it with a pad at first. Pro- I guess. Hang on. Yeah, because Knights came out later, didn't it? So yes. yeah, but yes. It it. So when I got the 3D pad, I was like, hold on a minute. I, does this analog work on Sega Rally? Yes, it does, uh, which was very cool indeed.
1: I need to get me a 3D pad still and give that a try.
0: Yes, yeah, nice. It and of course, nice the other version that we mentioned, the PS2 version. I think one of the reasons that people uh, aren't so completely sold on that version, although it's a, as I say, it's a it's a perfectly good arcade port. Uh, the DualShock 2, of course, has that famous dead zone in yeah. the with the analog stick, which yes. probably robs of it, robs Sega Rally of some of its ultra responsive feel. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if sense. there's any racing game that you
2: don't want a dead zone on, it would be a rally game where you're mm. making those micro corrections.
0: I guess you, you can compensate to an extent, but it means that you're yeah, moving your thumb further than you should have to, well, I suppose. Yeah. Alex79UK from the Forum says, Remember when pubs used to have arcade games in them? Around the age of 16, I started drinking in the Golden Cross in my hometown of Redditch. It was well known for being able to get served underage, so all of us college students went there just about every day. They had a few games in there over the years, but my favourite was Sega Rally. They had a full sit-down cab, And we'd spend hours in that place, hiding from lectures, eating chips, drinking beer, playing chess and dominoes and handbrake turning around mud splattered tracks. It's still one of my favourite arcade races. The speed and the handling just felt perfect. The game will always occupy a specific, nostalgic time in my life. And I've got a lot of hazy, happy memories of thrashing that Toyota Celica sideways around corners at 90 miles an hour. This also reminded me of the Golden Cross pub near where I used to work, which due to the racist literature they kept in full public display on the walls, was known as the Burning Cross. Whew. The cars featured in the game. Three cars. Uh, Didier Oriel's third generation Toyota Celica GT4. Forgive my Finnish pronunciation. Juha Kankonen's Lancia Delta HF Integral, which are both available from the start. And Sandro Monari's Lancia Stratos HF, which is unlocked by finishing Lakeside in first place in home versions of the game. We felt that in the rally we had to use real rally cars and the chosen vehicles were well known and looked good, senior programmer Ryuchi Hattori said. Originally, there was talk of using another car from Toyota, but we couldn't find a good one. (laughs) For example, the Supra would have been just the same as the Celica and not much fun to use in the game. So we ended up with just the one. We also took note of the consumers' opinions, which confirmed that if another car was to be added, it should be the Stratos. According to game designer Tetsuya Mizuguchi, they had no experience in driving those cars, but after repeated requests, Toyota and Fiat provided feedback for game testing. Huh. That's from Wikipedia. Of course, the Stratos in the arcade machine doesn't even have a model, uh, a graphical model. So it has a handling model, but if you use whatever the inputs are to select it, you'll still be shown driving either the delta or the celica right yeah
2: hmm. yeah i i read a, an article about this about you know trying to get the the teams on board and it said that they finally got them for game testing but they actually pied them off a whole bunch of times so they kept approaching them they're like we're not interested we're not interested and they actually had to show them the technology of the game and as soon as right. they saw the technology of the game they were like okay we're in mm. so uh, you know they kind of they kind of had to to win the the concept of using um, mm. These brands by actually selling them on the quality of the game
0: before it had released. I wonder if it was. I know, obviously, just it, it could have just as easily been a tech consideration or a gameplay consideration. But given that the cars go through a lot and don't get damaged at all, I wonder if that was one of the stipulations, as we often used to see with Gran Turismo and yeah, things like that.
2: It's very possible. I mean, because it was such they a did big have, thing, wasn't it?
0: They did have damage and defamation in Daytona, of course. So it. It's potential that they could have had at least some visual damage in, in Sega Rally, uh, which would have added a whole other. Well, if they'd added gameplay damage as well, that could have added a whole other wrinkle. But obviously, there's no pit stops in Sega Rally. Uh, I also read somewhere, and I don't know, I, I think this is unconfirmed, that there was no f- official contracts signed in terms of licensing. It was all gentlemen's agreements in inverted commas. But I don't know if that's, if that's been confirmed or, or whatever. So I guess, yeah, we need to talk a bit more about the relationship between the, th- the four courses and the three cars. Also, the fact that in the home versions, as I said, and I used to play around with this stuff more than I would in most games since of, uh, of any kind of you know car nature with multiple complex setups and uh, tune ups and things like that. I'll normally let the game do it for me if there's the option. But this game had just a few little things that you could tweak, just uh, handling tyres, front, rear suspension and (laughs) blow off valve. (laughs) I still don't know what it is, but it still makes me giggle. It did when when I was 24 and it still does now. And yeah, so I just spent a long time just actually genuinely trying to work out because it felt like there was a manageable number of combinations of, even though it's probably quite a few if you add it all up, all the cars, all the tweaks, all the courses. But it felt like I could actually learn and make a difference to my times around uh, the desert forest and mountain tracks the lakeside track i'll probably admit i never really got very good at because it's uh, it's a twisty turny nightmare
2: it seems like such an odd thing isn't it this is a, is a big deal for a game but even before i'd experienced this on the saturn and i didn't get a saturn at launch so I, I picked my six saturn up at the end of 96 start of 97 and I hadn't experienced the the sort of that that level of customization. I mean, as far as games went in the arcade, as it was with Sega Rally, it was generally manual or automatic. It was about as, as much as it was oh, yeah. going to push for anything. And then the fact yeah, that you yeah. could go and tweak these things was a bit of a revelation for me. And you know, I, I was young and naive. I think what I would have been thirteen years old. I didn't really know what I was doing with it with the you know changing the suspension um and th- this is something that hadn't even really become popular in in home console games until Gran Turismo and that was like late 1997 that that game released so um this had a, this had a good run for 2 years of being one of the few games where i could actually customize things um and you're absolutely right, it was tweak a few things and then see if it made any difference and you're kind of certain that you could be a little bit quicker on your tracks. But by that point, you go too far down the hole, you didn't really know what was good or what was bad anymore oh, yeah. from, from, from sort of where you were with the default. But the idea that you could actually go and you know tweak the tyres the, the or the handling, unbelievable really, thinking back about it, because I definitely can't remember doing it in a game before Maybe the tyres, but not the not the rest.
0: Yeah, I think there there probably were some others, but but again, it was it was the marriage of of the the feel of the game, the actual the playing of the game being so compelling and Moorish, with yeah. the course design. I mean, that's something we have to talk about. So the courses are actually relatively short loops, uh, unlike rally cars, rally courses. In real life, there I, I know there are some odd events and, and things I've seen in, in the games, but generally it's a point-to-point, right? And you're timed over that section. Sega Rally takes it in a slightly different direction by having these loops. In the arcade, you, I think you just race. Uh, they, they are point-to-point races. No, they are loops, though. Really? Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they are point-to-point uh, races, but they yeah. are. They in- are actually looped track. Oh, uh, okay.
1: Because you, I mean, you
0: don't loop them during the race. Well, you can though in three lap mode. Right. Yeah. 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 But it in, not in the main uh, rally. mode. No. So in the main rally, uh, you are just trying to, and obviously this is not realistic rally behavior. You're up against other cars, but the cars don't, I mean, they have a, they have a nominal position in the game, but really they're more obstacles, moving on course obstacles that mm-hmm. you need to get past. And the, the aim of the game is simply to be in first at the end of do you have at to the end of the third track, at the end of the third and then stay yeah. there to, to win the game yeah. outright. Yeah. Which is yeah obviously very arcadey rather than simulationy. Hmm. Whereas if you're playing at home, yeah, you might be playing, uh, you might just be doing one lap at a time or you might be doing three. I think it saves times for both. Right. Yeah. Both types. Yeah.
1: I always just play the, uh, Let's say the main rally mode. Right,
0: right. Um, but yeah, those. So the the actual track design. Again, I know we've said it lots of times before. But uh, but I'm always in favour of a game that has a small number of beautifully, carefully curated and designed tracks, rather than 250 circuits yeah. that are barely indistinguishable from one another.
2: Yeah, you get you get that you get that sensation that they're just a little bit more handcrafted, a little bit more care has been, you know, you can imagine the discussions around how wide a, to- a turn should be, you know, how narrow the track yeah. goes through this area, how long should we be going straight for, when do we put the bumps in? Because exactly. by only having that limited amount, it's, you can have that, you know, design by committee that makes sure that it's a really solid and robust thing. And you, you get some racing games now that, that some tracks just don't get played. Beyond the odd couple of times, if you can avoid them because mm. they're just not fun. Um, and this was yeah. always about that—that that fun, the the access to being able to play them, and then that challenge of 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 giving a player the ability to know that they can actually improve on on what they've experienced, and that drive to do so. Um, the, the tracks were kind of the perfect balance for that, as well as you know the perfect introduction. Um, I remember you know when you start out in, in the desert, and then you you really want to to push to see the next track you want to push to see the next track after that um it it's you know it's what it's one of those coin gobblers in the arcade isn't it you, you you want to keep doing it and 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 in that degree it is a little less severe than outrun because i lost a lot of money just trying to get to the end of outrun many times um yeah. but, you know it, it 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 does have that element of of fun versus challenge and it's such a fine line in any racing game in a rally game it's so difficult to get right because as you can see even with the most modern rally games 25 plus years on it still isn't always right so i think i think you're absolutely right leon sometimes less is more in this regard
0: yeah and i don't want it to sound like i'm not i don't mean to sort of sweepingly dismiss all the circuits from a i don't know Forza Horizon, or or a recent Grand, uh, or yeah, or a Forza Motorsport, or a recent Gran Turismo. I think a lot of those courses have been very carefully designed. There's a lot more people work on those games than worked on Sega yeah. Rally, and a lot of those. I know a lot of the courses from Gran Turismo have kind of been they've returned version after version over a long period of time, and, and a lot of them are very well loved as well. So I, I, yeah, I think you can have a game with loads of tracks that are that are strong. Yeah, but as I say, just from a personal point of view just having a handful of really distinct tracks visually and in terms of learning them, the swe- you know the sweeps, the curves, the turns, the straights, and, and all that, I find that actually just makes me want to play them more uh, because it just feels like... It feels no-
1: manageable also. Like, that's okay, it. There, There's, there's no way three I can tracks ever- that I can f- try right. to fully
0: master. Yeah. yeah, there's no way I can ever get really good at a game that's got 100 tracks in it or whatever because yeah. I just won't. I just won't. Whereas yeah. four or five... It feels yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, I realize to some people that will sound like a very weird thing to to compliment, but it it makes sense to me. <laughs> it it also adds that pick up and
2: play value as well, doesn't it? Is that you don't have to embed yourself in for hours and hours, days and days, weeks and weeks. You can kind of get stuck in, get your session in, and, and and move on. You let it wash over you and and improve that way. Because when you've got so few tracks, ultimately, you know, it's a lot quicker to go through three or four tracks than it is to go through 20-odd tracks. So um, I, th- I think sometimes the, the, the concept of games that you can drop in and drop out of, there there is a, an appeal there as well.
1: It's uh, it's the arcade game design philosophy, pretty much. Yeah,
2: yeah. exactly. you got wi- I- you got to be willing to cough up your money. And, you know, I know I coughed up my parents' and my grandparents' money, as it would have yeah. been more yeah. so at the time, but I was very happy to do so. Yeah, and uh, just just that strength to... Mastering
1: a short but ex- extremely challenging game.
0: Yeah, I think. Although I haven't been back to Sega Rally loads in recent times, they're all in there somewhere. All those tracks, right? I could, yeah, I could, uh, I could pick it up now, and there'd be no surprises because I've played all those circuits so many times. There'd be no, I've forgotten this corner because it's just, it's it's all in yeah. there somewhere yeah. in my middle-aged brain, <laughs> and <clears> possibly <throat> even the actual approach. You know, not just the the actual. The actual turns, but that's a the, good the approach that's, angles that's and a good chance that some
1: muscle memory will just kick in. Yeah.
0: And of course, in the home version, because it was a home version and they always did these things back then uh, because you could do it with simple numbers, flipping a few numbers around. You could play mirror mode. I always had mixed feelings about mirror modes in games because yeah. it's cool. Like I, I noticed recently playing The Last of Us 2 for this podcast, there's a mirror mode on death option in that game. Which again, why not put it in there for fun? If somebody somebody wants to play it, it didn't take a lot for them to put it in there. There it is. The whole world mirrors every time you die. So keep your brain on its toes as you were. But Mirror Mode in racing games, uh, I got good at some of them. Like uh, if I played them enough, you can get to that point in say Mario Kart where you've played the mirror modes enough times that you don't keep doing the thing of go, taking the wrong <laughs> the wrong side uh, around every corner and I think I did get there with Sega Rally to an extent but again Lakeside just that track was just designed to frustrate me uh, even in regular mode so mirror mode was just, just a bit painful it's, it's so narrow compared to the other tracks and so twisty I really like it but uh, it, to, in terms of the concept but yeah it used to used to frustrate me compared to the others
1: yeah and also for me with mirror modes it just always feels like yeah this is not the real thing that i'm playing
2: <laughs> yeah it's, it's like the knockoff version it resembles something you know but it's not what you know it's like
1: when i try to play um ocarina of time on a gamecube bonus disc in the, <laughs> the master mode version with the remixed puzzles and everything yeah. and i felt like
2: yeah i'm not just i'm just not playing the real game it's here not the you know? one that's been you know through people's hands and, and views that's been polished because that's yeah. what that experience is meant to be and that's what mirror mode is in games
1: yeah yeah Twilight Princess on the Wii uh, but that <laughs> for me was the original version so I didn't mind well, it that much but um, and and that's also the reason why I there's no personal appeal for me for example to play let's say a Super Metroid randomizer or anything like that like yeah
0: I think uh, well yes uh, I guess yeah mirror mode potentially adds a bit of longevity to a to a home title but and I, I don't think because of the nature of just mirroring it i don't feel like it's like a massive betrayal of the original concept it is literally just swapping left for right uh reverse tracks may have been a thing but i'm i i might be wrong in thinking i'm, I'm not sure the tech actually the the way Sega Rally is built i don't think it would actually work the other way because i don't because I, I think a lot of it is designed so that you can only see the front of things if you see what mm. i mean a lot yeah. of the polygons simply wouldn't be there if you drove the other way so it would like look a like a movie set yeah totally it would look like a mess i think if you if you drove around it in reverse
1: um what is are they like replays with multiple camera angles yeah oh
0: yeah absolutely yeah. with with their own tunes as well yeah
1: yeah yeah so that should
0: Should show the environments from uh, different directions, right? But again, but it's all locked off cameras, isn't it? They're all fixed in fixed positions. They they all pan. And I think, again, I think it's completely designed so that they don't show anything that you shouldn't see. I think there's uh, quite a lot of smoke and mirrors going on with that stuff. Yeah, no doubt. There, There just wasn't enough process. Whereas now you just, you'd build the entire circuit on or in Forza Horizon, I guess you'd build the entire map in 3D. And then from that point on, you can approach anything in any direction. But back then, they were having to be very economical with the polygons they were throwing around. Interesting, though. But yes, talking of uh, replays, uh, yeah, time trialing was... Uh, you, you said, Mikhail, you, you preferred to you know, play it the arcade way, but time mm. trialing became the way I played the game the most in the end. Thanks to the ghosts option... Uh, I actually my original Sega Saturn memory cartridge was an unofficial third party one, and it wasn't recognized by Sega Rally as being the right kind of memory. So I then had to go and buy uh, an official Sega one specifically for the purposes of uh, of playing uh, playing Sega Rally against my own time trial ghosts. And that uh, that endless tension of feeling like you're chasing yourself on your own heels or you're just behind yourself and you're trying to catch yourself (laughs) up. I had a lot of fun I spent a lot of a lot of hours playing that Seth from the forum says Sega Rally was one of the first games I got on my Saturn and other than possibly Knights, it was the one that I played the most on that console it's strange to think that a game with only a handful of cars and tracks could have so much replay value but Sega were the masters of the arcade racer at this time and knew how to wring every bit of fun into their engines even the navigation still brings a smile to my face very long easy ride, right, baby there it is <laughs> <laughs> I remember picking up a secondhand memory cartridge for the Saturn and finding that someone had left some of the ghost ghost times for Sega Rally, which was a nice additional challenge after unlocking everything in the game. Hey,
1: that's cool. Somebody else's ghost data.
0: Me and a few friends are hoping to hit an arcade club close to our area, and it has a Sega Rally cabinet. So I'm curious to see if it still holds up, at least as a gameplay experience. I think, Seth, you'll be very pleasantly surprised. Uh, So there was uh, multiplayer, obviously, at the arcades, which I'm pretty sure I've maybe I've played once with with one mate or something. I don't know. I remember playing the split screen at home on the Saturn version, but it was just one of those games where. Two-player split screen. I own the game. Someone comes around who's never played the game before. Yeah, I win the race, and they're just still trundling around. <laughs> it's like it's so it's so unexciting. I think you would need a, a specific situation where you had more than one person who was familiar with the with the tracks and the cars and stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean that there's, when there's no challenge to that game, it's just not quite right. So whether it's it's trying to beat the clock or whether it's trying to beat your ghost, there's always that challenge of something to aim for when you're trying to beat yeah. your friend who you know, is is about 60 hours behind you in terms of time put into yeah. Sega Rally. It's just not quite the same.
0: It's very demoralising for everyone concerned. Uh, and yeah, it's not the best way to, to, to sell a game. Uh, even if you're going, this, this game's amazing. And they're going, yeah, but I'm just losing. Banging into the walls. Uh, I think also the split screen on the Saturn, unsurprisingly, was probably quite compromised. It, I don't remember specifically, but I think the draw distance, detail, frame rate was probably all chopped mm. down and obviously yeah. resolution. We, were,
2: we were already down to 25 frames a second <laughs> yeah yeah in the eu but it was a consistent uh 25 consistent, or, yeah, consistent
0: 12 f- frames a second on the yeah. split screen <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> 12 each now that that but, might be very on the japanese
1: version 30 frames
0: yeah uh and yes as we said the arcade machine you could play four cabinets linked together for four player and uh, i can imagine you know obviously again the, the coin up we understand was massively successful so If you had some regular arcade going pals, I could imagine that being a a lot of fun. As I say, I I have strong memories of the massive eight player virtual racing set up on Brighton Palace Pier Mm. when I was young. But uh, I've definitely seen a few people sitting down and playing Sega Rally in a group before. Yeah, I kind of feel bad that I missed out on that. Or playing Network, Saturn. Not that that was even a thing when I had a Saturn. Because no one else did. There's no way, no way of hooking it up to the, uh, to the internet, was there? Not over here anyway. Ianson from the forum says, This game is special. I played hours and hours of the Saturn version with my best friend. We did the championship over and over, seemingly endless time attack sessions and a boatload of split screen too. I remember how amazed we were that when randomly racing in opposite directions on the desert track and one player jumped high over the other incoming car on the big hill jump, you could see the bottoms of the car were textured in split screen. Such detail. The control is sublime. The weight of the car is so perfect. The sound so deep and throaty. The colours so rich. No dirt and grime, just crisp mountain air, blue skies, and the feeling of gliding through it all to jazzy piano in those end-of-race replays. It's the pinnacle of 32-bit arcade presentation for me, alongside the likes of Soul Edge. If only some other arcade ports on the system were so technically impressive, but it feels like one of those lightning-in-a-bottle moments. Well... I think there were some others, Virtua Cop, Virtua Cop 2. But uh, yes, obviously, after the disappointment of the rushed Daytona with the, with the clanky feel and the... Virtual Fighter 2 was
1: also pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point as well. Yeah, it really was. Uh, interestingly, Ian mentions they're going the wrong way around the track. Uh, I wonder if that, that maybe that does mean they could have done reverse track. So that uh, that plus version, as I say, had um, in Japan had X-Band online and 3D controller support. Uh, That PS2 version that we mentioned was the all new conversion. Interestingly, I think one of my one of the most curious things I found out in, in research for this show is that the PS2 version of the Sega Rally arcade machine has three resolution options like some kind of modern game or a PC game. You can play Hmm. it in the original arcade resolution, which was 496 by 384, or you can crank it up to 512 by 396, or even 512 by 448 interlaced. Interesting. And yes, Sega Rally Special Stage. Not really anyone got to play this. Uh, It was in uh, Sega's Joypolis venues in the late 90s. Sega Rally installed inside four full-size Toyota Celica models <laughs> with massive screens on the other side of the windscreen of the car. So the cars were all you know, hooked up to basically play the game. I imagine they were massively simplified inside. Uh, I think they were on hydraulics as well. So <laughs> <laughs> the bougiest way to play any video game would have been amazing. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the dream,
2: right? Like, like, I, I was happy with one that actually had a seat that wasn't even just a, a bench, but the actual seat unit and playing mm. on the big screen. Like That, for me, blew me away, the idea yeah. that this actually existed. Yeah. I mean, what a way to play the game.
0: <laughs> it is not thought that Sega Rally Special Stage ever appeared outside of Shinjuku Joypolis. So uh, it's one of those things where, you know, at some point you're given the option of uh, travelling back through time and you can uh, kill Hitler or something. no. I'll be I'll be going no, to Shinjuku Joikulis <laughs> in 1997 to play Sega Rally Special There skate. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense.
2: Priorities. If you, if, if you killed Hitler, there's no guarantee Sega Rally would get made. So yeah, indeed. you've, got, you've got to play effect. smart.
0: I think Carl just said Hitler programmed Sega Rally. <laughs> Billy from the forum says, no racing game has ever felt as good to play as Sega Rally Championship, in my opinion. The perfect drifting, the sense of speed and that absolutely banging soundtrack. This was constantly in my Saturn. Yes, there were only three cars and tracks, but this was Sega on peak blue sky form and gameplay here is king. Irresistible. There were four tracks, Billy. Get back and get good. (laughs) 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 So we're going to have a little whistle stop tour through the sequels. I have a lot less experience of these overall But uh, the chances are we're not going to come back and do separate podcasts for for these. So we may as well cover them off. There was an Mm. official sequel, a numbered sequel. Sega Rally 2 came out of the arcade. There was also a Dreamcast version, which I think was a launch game for the Dreamcast. Certainly was in Europe, probably the US as well. And there was a Windows PC version of that. I think the Dreamcast version was actually a kind of... It sort of it was based on the Windows version, wasn't it? It was one yeah, of those that's that was, right. Yeah, like Windows C E port. Seth says, an incredibly fun game that looked fantastic on the Dreamcast. I didn't play it as much as the original, but it's one of the games I still held on to from that console. Maybe it's worth dusting off again too. I don't remember this being particularly ubiquitous in the arcades. I have seen it a few times. Yeah. I remember the reception for the Dreamcast version being a bit muted. Yeah. And as such yeah, I don't have too much to say about it, Nikhil.
1: It has very uh, fluctuating uh, frame rate. The yes. Dreamcast version does, uh, and I think there is a code to lock it to thirty frames per
0: second. Uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, you miss out on the on the, the top frame rates as well. So I don't mm, know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 not a great conversion, and I think. Sega Rally 2 came out on Model 3, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and Dreamcast didn't have a great history overall with Model 3 conversions. I mean, yeah. if, if it was Naomi, it was pretty much one-to-one, of course. But Model 3 was, uh, yeah, the super high-end yeah. arcade hardware at the time. So I never had a very high opinion of Sega Rally 2 until I played it uh, on a laser game venue versus my, uh, my wife, uh, a couple years back and it's actually yeah it's a pretty damn good follow-up to the original i think right it's pro- it probably lacks the impact that the original mm. had of course so maybe that's why it's not as fondly remembered and also yeah like you said it's, it's probably not as ubiquitous but we had a lot of fun playing, sure. and it's uh the handling was just uh yeah
0: top of the line again and it mm. looked very lovely it was most of the same team. Kenji Sasaki returned as designer. Tetsuya Mizuguchi was the producer. Yeah. It was Sega. A- it was uh, yeah, Sega Am Five made the cabinets again.
1: Yeah, and it, it had the game over theme in there. Yeah,
0: most importantly, yeah. Exactly. It came out in February '98 in the arcades and January to November '99 on the Dreamcast and the Windows version. Yeah, throughout '99 and and uh, North America arrived in september 2000 for some reason
2: you had some lovely lighting and shadowing in it as well
0: yeah it reviewed okay uh game rankings has the pc version on 80 percent and the dreamcast version on 82 percent but yes as mikhil mentioned i remember one of the the most frequent criticisms leveled against it was the frame rate being all over the place on the dreamcast which uh, you would have yeah preferred a, a locked 30 than a jittery 45 or whatever you know averaging somewhere between the two yeah we've mentioned the arcade port for the ps2 a couple of times as i say that came with a an actual other game called sega rally that was a kind of modernization for ps2 in 2006 only came to japan and korea i'm sure it's i say i'm sure i don't think as far as i know it's particularly hard to get hold of but i think for many of us the main reason to get that version would probably be to play arcade version rather than the the Sega Rally 2006 although I'm sure it's a an interesting curio for the collectors next up was Sega Rally aka Sega Rally Revo yeah uh, which was by the short-lived Sega Racing Studio uh, there was a conversion of PSP as well by Bugbear who we know best for the flat-out games or Wreckfest as they mm. as it is now this was again moderately well-received as I recall.
1: Yeah, it didn't make a huge splash. I remember no. seeing videos in which they were highlighting the tech of sort of like trails in the mud that Defamation. you could make. Deformation, yeah, deformation exactly. Mm. So yeah, they were they deal. were hyping that technology up uh, quite a bit. But yeah, I never seen it make much of a of an impact.
2: No, I mean, I so I I rented this game, and the thing that put me off was that it didn't, and I didn't play a huge amount of it. Um, for one key reason is. And it's so funny because it does hark on what on what Leon was saying earlier, there was too many cars, and there, there was just too much, in, in a strange way there was too much content 34 vehicles Yeah, I mean, I yeah. mean it's a lot for a game like this, uh, yeah. you know, I mean especially considering actual WRC Rally for a number of years had like 2 and and then three. So um that felt like it was it had grown too much on scale and left the roots that made it really pick up and play enjoyable, that made me love the original Sega Rally. So it felt at this point like it was Sega Rally by name, but not necessarily by nature. And there was actually a number of really good rally games by that point that just seemed to be doing things a little bit better. So I uh, the the defamation tech was interesting. Conceptually great i I think just in practice it just didn't do enough for me to to hook me and make me really want to play a lot more of that game um it Hmm. it was just a a large amount of okay content and nothing that really stood out as absolutely stellar you know which is, is the complete opposite of the arcade version
0: yeah, it's an interesting story. Sega Racing Studio, a.k.a. Sega Driving Studio, only lasted three years, 2005 to 2008. It was headed by Guy Wilde, who, was, uh, who had been involved in Colin McRae already with Codemasters. And then, the guy, and then the studio ended up being taken over and folded back into Codemasters. Uh, but before that happened, just about... Sega actually took the code from, or yeah, the basis of the code and the and the product of Sega Rally Revo, which is yeah built in Solihull rather than Japan, as per the previous coin ops, and turned it into a coin op, Sega Rally Three. Uh, and again, I have seen this around. I think this is in the Bowlplex at Brighton Marina, or at least it was. I haven't been in there for a very long time. But uh, one thing of note about this, well, a couple of things, is that while it took a lot of the code and the track deformation and stuff from Sega Rally Revo, they remade the desert track for this version. So there's a nice, slightly more modern 2011 era HD graphical version of Sega Rally Desert, which is quite fun. Delisted now. Well, the arcade machine is still out there possibly, but yes, um,
1: you you can delist those of course. No, but uh... But
0: yes, there was a home version uh, for PS3 and, Xbox 360 Digital, uh, which I did pick up. And so I still I'm lucky enough to have it installed. As you say, Mikhail, you can no longer buy it. But yes, it was uh, it was briefly available. Not sure for how long, but from May, June 2011 for a while, you could buy Sega Rally online arcade as it was known. Obviously, there's no real point in recommending it as such. I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. Uh, It was a perfectly acceptable addition to my giant xbla library of fun things to just throw on and play for a bit. It was fun to go round the desert track again with mud going everywhere and stuff. The graphics were yeah, pretty decent for a 2011 racing game, I thought. Playing it now looks a bit blurry and fuzzy as things on the Xbox 360 from 10 years ago tend to do. Yeah. Uh but it's it's fine. It's okay. It's it's no Sega Rally though, even if it is a Sega Rally. If you see what I mean. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Sinclair Gregstrom says sega rally is lightning in a bottle from the first day i played the game on christmas day in 1996 on my brand new sega saturn to this very day it just plays perfectly i would change nothing i don't want more cars i don't want more tracks i don't wish the handling was any heavier or any lighter that this corner or that corner was any easier or trickier The game is as tightly crafted and perfectly refined an experience as you will ever find. And considering it's a pretty early 3D 32-bit arcade video game, that is all the more extraordinary. These were the days of wobbly polygons and janky cameras. Developers were figuring out what the hell they were doing as they were doing it. And if you play virtually anything from that era today, while there's still a lot to love in many of those games, there are also glaring issues all over the place. With Sega Rally, that's just not the case, at least for me personally. For what it is, a straight-up arcade rally racer, it is glorious. And it will still be glorious in another 25 years. There you go. (laughs) High praise indeed. Yeah. We also have some three-word reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Kane and My good friend, Baseman Shaq, not Colin McRae. Luna Looney says, not quite Daytona.
1: Quite right. And both those games aren't uh, Sega Rally either. (laughs) Liam evans
2: Keen says, great Saturn port. Andrew John Smith, desert. Racing
0: perfection. Robin Hoodie goes one further or two further and says three perfect tracks.
1: Alex79UK says simply sliding sideways.
2: Bearfish Pie, peerless power sliding pioneer.
0: Paul Davies and Wayne Emanuel both say easy right maybe. And Seth Rob, Seth and Robert Morrison say game over yeah. That was epic. <laughs> Thanks Mikiel. <laughs> Welcome. So let's. So it remains for us to summarize. Unfortunately, as we have discussed, beyond uh, emulation, finding and downloading old copies of the Windows version, there's no kind of easy current way to play this. Normally, we can say, yeah, download a copy of this for your PS4 or whatever, your Xbox One, Series X. We can't do that because it's not around, but uh, see if we can. No easy
1: download, maybe.
0: No, (laughs) indeed. So, but Mikheil, bearing that in mind, uh, what are your. Closing thoughts on Sega Rally.
1: Well, you talked about Retro Gamer calling it the best racing game of all time, right? Mm. Uh, for me, that's not the case. It's not even the best Sega racing game for me. My uh, my favorite two Sega racing games are F Zero GX and Outrun 2, mm-hmm. and that's because if I really boil it down, what I really want from an arcade racer is blistering speed, and I think both those games deliver way more in that area. But, having said all that, I think you can make a very easy case, on the other hand, to say that Sega Rally Championship 1995 is one of the best races ever. And that leads back right to what uh, Sinclair Gregstrom was uh, saying, that there's just an element of perfection to the game, and it doesn't it doesn't slip up. It doesn't make any mistakes. It's It's just from the handling to the track design to the whole presentation side of things it's just really flawless if you boil it down to it and if I if I see one in the wild if I see a Sega Rally Championship 1995 machine I have to play it and I still am very happy to pop it into my Saturn and play the Saturn version for a, a quick go here and there um, so either way you got it whether it is your favorite arcade racer of all time or it isn't you can't really go wrong with Sega Rally Championship 1995, I think.
0: Thanks, McKeel. Yeah, I don't have too much relationship with the coin-op itself, as I said. My memories and fondness for this game are mainly around the remarkable Saturn port, albeit I completely acknowledge that at half the resolution, half the frame rate, etc., it's arguably lacking, certainly in, in, uh, in visual wow factor compared to the original but the home version does add a load of stuff that i personally ended up spending an enormous amount of time with uh, the the ability to tweak your cars the ability to replay tracks in time trial mode and ghost uh, ghost racing was uh, was really my number one way to play this i i spent a lot of time on the arcade mode and it took me a long time to actually beat it on normal difficulty i think i remember finally getting that first place on lakeside which used to see me come a so often and uh and telling my girlfriend at the time about it like she cared uh but <laughs> but there it was you know i'd beaten the game and uh i beat sega rally uh legit and and that was a good feeling but uh, yeah it's really the, the there's the p word is is one we try to avoid on this show because it's a little hyperbolic and arguably can never be attained but the fact that so many people have been moved to use the adjective perfect to describe Sega Rally, I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go too strongly against it just because I think it is such a beautifully crafted game in so many ways. Just that peak era of Sega bringing together the audio visual, the presentation, some deceptively deep gameplay with remarkably Moorish handling and, uh, and sublime course design that makes you want to replay and replay and replay partly just to be in that very fun sort of light-hearted world with you know Tats- Tatsunobu Mitsuyoshi singing away to you and uh the blue skies above and the elephants trundling by and the zebras don't forget the zebras <laughs> um but partly just because it's a it's a it's a game that yeah demands skill and and feels incredibly rewarding when you when you commit to it and uh And uh, and improve at it. So yes, it's a real shame. It's a real shame that there's no easy, legit way to play this game currently. Obviously, if you ever find yourself in an arcade museum or or an arcade that still just has dusty old Sega cabinets, do check it out. Uh, It won't look quite as stunning to you as it did to us in 1994, but you'll still almost certainly, I would say, have a tremendous time whizzing around those tracks. And let's finish with Carl who nominated Segarelli for this volume.
2: Sometimes I forget how fortunate I was to grow up in seaside towns north and south of the uh, country where there was an abundance of arcades um and and incredible arcade cabinets that would that were, would come in new um and in full form and it's when I think back to those days um and I, and how much I actually loved them and how much of an event they always seemed to be there are, there are a set few games that always come to mind. And obviously Sega Rally is one of those games. And I'd always had an affinity towards racing games. I I still do, you know, I I love them as a a series. And ever since I was a kid and you'd go into the arcade and you'd see these machines that had steering wheels, they always felt a little bit special, whether it was, you know, Super Sprint with the three wheels or whether it was, you know, Chase HQ with a stand-up, Achilles crunching pedal or you know Outrun um and we saw a, a great Sega resurgence almost um in the arcades uh, in the early 90s Virtual Fighter Virtual Racing again a, a great racing game Daytona and then with you know a Sega Rally it felt like things were only going to get better and you know if you think there's maybe only Crazy Taxi that had another big hit as a racing game in the arcades after that it, it it's quite quite saddening part of me likes to believe that that's because sega rally kind of peaked the genre as an arcade title um, and certainly for me that's the impact that it had it was the prestige title in the arcade it wasn't the flashiest in the very literal sense of of light surrounding it, it certainly it wasn't it was never the loudest but it was always the most satisfying that when i played it that was the game that when I was playing something else, I was thinking, I need to, I really want to go back on Sega Rally before I leave. That happened the first time I played it, and that happened the last time I played it, and there was a lot of money went into that machine. So the, the option and the possibility to talk about it, um, for Kane and Rince on, on this platform was something that I really needed to do and, you know, uh, share my love, my experiences of, of that title with it, and, you know, whether that was the, glitz and glamour of of the beautiful sit-down cabinet with its incredible liveries and iconography or whether it was sitting at home with my sega Saturn bought a couple of years after the release of the console it was the first game that i had in my hand in the shop of the list of titles i was going to pick up with that machine it was i'm getting sega rally what else do i get i get home and i set my machine up and it's sega rally goes on and i play sega rally and then i turn that off and i you know, I I put another game on, it would have been Knights or Athlete Kings or something like that. And, Mm. you know, I'm I'm thinking I I, I really want to go back and play Sega Rally. I did, you know, and that's kind of the pattern that I had, whether it was rally mode, whether it was time trial, it didn't really matter. I, I just absolutely loved it. The fact that it was heralded in the magazines as, you know, the arcade perfect when it very clearly wasn't, it was less resolution, it was certainly less frame rate. And then, As I picked this show for the podcast, I started looking online on eBay. Unfortunately, I had to sell my Sega Saturn for university fees at the time. And, you know, I'm very sad about that. And I think about that far more regularly than someone should this far on from leaving university. Um, And I, I looked at a lot of listings on eBay. I put forward some quite high money bids on some beautiful Sega Saturn lots Um, that all featured Sega Rally and unfortunately every single one of them I ended up outbid at the last second and financial circumstances have not allowed me to um, go back to that but as soon as um, that is the case I will be getting a Sega Saturn because I've got my absolute heart set on it and the key reason for that is Sega Rally you know I've played it a couple of times in the many years since I've I, I last officially played it if you will in in the arcade and it still has just a sense of charm and presence that very few arcade games have in, in the current era that were from the, from the 90s. And I think that that speaks volumes for the, the, the quality and the standards that Sega allowed themselves in creating such a wonderful experience. I absolutely love Sega Rally and forever I always will.
0: I'm happy to say I've still got my Saturn. I should have bought a big pile of those 20p copies of Sega Rally, eh? When I saw them back in whatever year that was. Anyway. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Carl McKeel, editor Ryan, as well as our correspondents, and to you for listening. And tell you that next time, in issue 478, I'll be handing over to Rich, and they'll be talking about Ghost of Tsushima.